Hey everyone, we want to welcome you to the Floater Founder Podcast. This is a Toronto-based podcast featuring local founders across all markets. We are your hosts, Samantha Lloyd. And Lyson Casey. We are going to be bringing you interviews with exciting and hardworking founders. They will be sharing their experience creating and leading a company. Thanks for listening. So, uh, hi everyone. It's Samantha Lloyd here at Floater Founder with my co-host, Lyson Casey. Hello everyone. And today we are here with Shira Yoskovich, who is the founder of Handle Concierge Services, and she's here to tell you all about it. So welcome. Thanks for com- for Thank having so us, for actually. Thank you so much for having or for letting me have you. So tell us, uh, tell us about your company, Handled. So Handled is a mobile-based uh, personal shopping and concierge company. We're here to take on any shopping, styling, event planning, or travel kind of task that you have that you really either don't want to do yourself, can't do yourself, um, or would like you know some help getting done. Um, we're here to be a service for people who are busy professionals and who need to reclaim some hours back in their day. So we're here to take that off of them and, and make sure that it gets done in the way that they want it to. Yeah, that, that, that sounds amazing. But uh, honestly, it seems like it would be very difficult logistically to accomplish a business like that. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how you can manage all, all and optimize all the different uh, logistical requirements of a business like that? Sure. So the core of our business actually starts off with how we communicate and how we interact with our, our customers. Um, when someone signs up with the service, we take them through a really brief, it's about 20 or so minute consultation. Uh, and that's where we get to know what they're looking for, what their what their life is like, what their stressors are, how we can actually be of service to them. Sometimes it's about helping them and sometimes it's about helping maybe a member of their family or even a friend. We use that opportunity to really get to the nuts and bolts about what it is they're looking for. And then things like what's their budget, what are their timelines, you know, some of the logistical bounds, you know, putting the four corners on the box, if you will, um, to really understand what it is that we're going to deliver for them. Um, And then from there, we actually open up our platform to the customer. So, you know, Handled is, yes, a personal shopping and uh, mobile concierge business, but it's also fundamentally uh, powered by a platform, by a custom platform that lets users interact with us and send us information, send us tasks, but also book and do what they need to do uh, electronically through their smartphone or through their computer. So, you know, when you think about 75% of Canadians live their life on a smartphone application or set of applications. Um, This is really just allowing them to outsource to us in a way that they're already used to going about their day. It's as easy as someone booking a Google calendar appointment or an Outlook calendar appointment. It's the same kind of thing. And then it works real time with our main platform. So if you put it in, I see it about literally five seconds later. And then if I have my team that is out in the field already doing tasks, they're also getting updated in real time. And so those messages are a constant flow and that really helps us um, keep things coordinated. All of, let's say we've got a bunch of shopping tasks. Well, at any point in time, I can go into the back end of our platform from the administrative side and see a combined view of here's all the tasks, who they're for, when they're due, etc. There's a lot of tech that supports our business and that's also what's going to help let us grow. 
totally makes sense because it's a very bespoke solution. So you have to incorporate it with technology in order to scale. Absolutely. And, and our, I take a lot of pride in the fact that Handled is a white glove service from a customer's perspective yeah. um, without the white glove price. So the thing that keeps us from having to use the white glove service price is by making it as efficient as we possibly can on the back end. Very cool. How did you go about uh, building this platform? Um, you know, it was interesting. I had had, I'd had thoughts about Handled and how I wanted it to look and feel and experience from a customer perspective and frankly, from an operational perspective um, for, for a few years before I ultimately got down to it. And I knew that I wanted technology to be part of it. Um, I knew that, you know, frankly, from my experience in my corporate life, I knew that there had, if we were going to tell people to delegate and if we were going to tell people, trust us, it's happening, trust us, it's underway, we would have to give them some sort of feedback mechanism so that they would be able to see those things. Um, and so I, I would say I had like a very rough operational idea and tech idea of what I wanted this to do. And then, you know, when I made the decision to ultimately launch what would become handled, um, <laughs> I started reaching out to people that I had done a lot of work with in my corporate life and my consulting life. And the conversation always went a variation of, Hey, so I have this idea. What do you think? And, you know, the developers that ultimately I saw, I brought on board, um, were people that I had done a little bit of work with in the past and, and that helps create a shorthand. Um, and I was, I was very open. They took me, um, they took me through a product development cycle to really productize handled from the start because I also knew I wanted it to be a business. I didn't want it to look and feel like a boondoggle project that someone had decided to just sort of pick up as a side hustle. I mean, side hustles are great, mm -hmm. but I never want a customer to feel like they're being like side you're not hustled, dedicated. Yeah. Right. That this isn't real, that there isn't some meat on the bone of this thing. Going through an actual product development cycle with customer research and with technology research and competitive analysis and I mean, I tried a lot of services. I absolutely did. I tried out stuff in the States and Europe here, um, as did a number of my, my cohorts. <laughs> um, and that's really how it was. It was, it was a village. I mean, I talk often about the experience of setting up Handled and it was my village that helped me sort of build this out and, and really make sure that what I had in my head could translate not just to paper, but ultimately to the website and to the platform that's that's out there. Um, so you were talking about the product development uh, uh, process and especially a user-focused uh, product development uh, process. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the biggest difficulties uh, with doing something like that? I, I, I think for me, the biggest difficulty was resisting the urge to say, but I'm right, but I know. Mm -hmm. And you know, when one person tells you, mm, oh, no, that doesn't really look good there. It really should go here. Okay. You can say, yeah, cheers, but <laughs> I really want it there. But when 20 people tell you the same thing, you can't internalize it 
that they're calling your baby ugly, right? I am a very prideful person. I, I felt very strongly from the start about what I wanted the experience of Handel to be like. And having people call my baby ugly was <laughs> so yeah. hard. Um, but it was a brilliant experience. It, it took place, um, you know, the design, the customer feedback, the research, the redesign took place over a course of about six months. And it was incredibly powerful because A, it forced me to make some real decisions about where I was gonna prioritize my limited funds, my limited time, and my limited people, mm -hmm. right? You, you, you are forced to come to those decisions. Otherwise, the, the developers out there going, dude, what do you want me to do, yeah. right? So that, I, I think that was invaluable. The other thing that it forced me to do was really be intellectually honest about who my customer is. Am I the customer? Is it you, Samantha? Is it someone down? Like, who is that person? And what are they concerning themselves about in the day mm -hmm. that ultimately will cause them to say, yeah, not only am I going to use your service, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it again. I'm going to recommend it and it will become part of my life. And yeah. so the discipline of a product development cycle forced me to come to terms with some tough decisions, or for me, they were tough. You know, other people might be less or so. What that did mean though, is that when I was done that and we started quote unquote, putting pen to paper with the developers and you know, all of a sudden I had a beta product and all of a sudden I had an MVP and all those things. It meant that it was real. It was real and it was an operationalized platform and business from the start, which is what I had committed to myself it was going to be. I never want a customer to know that something is underdeveloped or to feel that something is underdeveloped. Yeah, that's exciting. So exciting. <laughs> so exciting. So I actually burst into tears the oh. first time I saw my MVP product. I did. That's awesome. It's a little bit hokey, but I did. <laughs> the, and so how was that then presenting your MVP out, like pushing that out? <sighs> um, it was it was tough. It was really challenging for me. I, you know, I came from a long corporate background and many people had thought that I had just taken a, a leave of absence. I had gone through some, some personal stuff and... So from the perspective of a number of my professional colleagues, they thought I was just taking a leave. And I had been very private about what I was doing with Handled um, for a long time. And so to suddenly say, hey, so funny story, this is what I've been working on. And not only have I been working on this, but there's something real here. Um, that was intense and, and you know, the first round of uh, feedback that I got was, you know, it was intense, mm -hmm. um, but I've never been so proud of something as when, uh, you know, when I showed the MVP to um, a, a customer the first time. Like that was, I really, I one of my career highlights. That's amazing. Yeah.
there, there, there's really no better feeling. Having launched products myself, I know that, uh, as you said, someone calling your uh, your baby ugly can be can be hurtful. But you, it's very necessary criticism to move forward. Uh, how, what would you say is the best way to handle user constructive criticism and actually uh, grab some insight uh, from that? A number of years ago, I was given some advice, um, actually from a corporate mentor, and she said, you know, the thing is when you're looking at certain types of scenarios you almost have to read it a bit like a cartoon. You know, take out all the extremes in the corner, all the pow and shazam and all that kind of stuff and look down the pipe and what's the theme? And the theme either resonates with you or it doesn't resonate with you, but then you force yourself into the discipline of making a conscious decision about whether or not you're gonna react, right? But what you can't do is just react. You know, you gotta pause, look down the pipe, what's, what are the messages that are coming through? And then look, it's the role of the business owner, the role of the entrepreneur to say, I buy in, I don't buy in. Do I buy in, but maybe not today, maybe for six months from now because it's a resource constraint or it's a, a prioritization or something like that. Um, that. And so I found myself really doing that and I still do that. I mean, people are, very willing to provide feedback. And if you want to make service your business, you have to onboard the reactions that you get. Mm -hmm. You have yeah. to. Absolutely. No, your customer is your number one. You say Handle is a concierge service. Uh, what type of um, services do you do for people? Are there limitations? Like for me personally, the first thing that came to mind is I hate doing laundry. Uh, so what kind of services do you handle for people or, or have you handled currently or are you planning to expand into more services or? So laundry would be a no, sorry. Um, but the core of our services are around shopping, styling, organizing. We do a lot of like wardrobe organizing, helping you organize your home, things like that. Um, we started doing some work around events and travel experiences so you know when i let me just sort of clarify what i mean when i talk about travel experiences i'm not booking people to get to boca right that's mm -hmm. what expedia is there for but if you want to create um a once in a lifetime trip let's say to southern florida and do the art show on the water then i'm your girl working i worked with snowboard canada to create um an event for um a wonderful client who wanted a milestone birthday present for her son. And so it was an Olympic year. The son is a massive snowboard fan. Um, mm. And we, you know, we partnered with Snowboard Canada and we basically arranged for him to have behind the pipe passes at the World Cup event in Quebec City. And he was the flag bearer at, uh, not flag bearer, I'm sorry, raising of the flag at the medal ceremony. Wow. He met the athletes, had breakfast with them, that kind of stuff. So that's a travel experience, right? Yeah. Things that people maybe don't realize that they have access to um, in, a, in, a, in an affordable way and that they don't know that, oh, I, you mean I can go do that? And it's, it's actually more valuable to the person that I'm creating this with. So that's where we step in and we're like, absolutely. That's very um, cool. There are, you know, I get a number of requests for different kinds of services. If they're not in our core, I'll sort of evaluate it on a, on a bit of a one-off and see if it makes sense. 
Um, sometimes really will help out existing clients. They'll need, you know, hey, can you do a food order? Cause I'm in town for like a day before I take my next trip kind of thing. So, you know, I've been known to do that. Is that the core of our service? No. Is it something that I plan on expanding? No. But a client is a client. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I sort of evaluate it. There's a little bit of ebb and flow to that. What we don't do and what I have no plans for handle to do is anything related to like butler services. Mm. So, okay. you know, we get requests to like walk people's dogs and things like that. I will happily refer them to other people that I know in the market. I get a lot of requests for, Hey, will you be my virtual assistant and things like that? We're just not set up to do that. That's not the core of our service offering. But I will happily refer people along. That's not a good. problem. And what is, I guess, the most popular service people are ordering from you? I would say shopping and the organizing. I mean, yeah. when it's funny, you know, Marie Kondo, the whole tidying up, uh, do you get joy from it? She'd been out there for a long time and it, it hit just sort of this moment of zeitgeist <laughs> um, over the last probably six to nine months. And that frankly did wonders for, for the handled business because a lot of what we were doing philosophically around, look, optimize what you already have. We're not here to tell you to throw everything out. We don't want you to throw everything out. We want you to optimize what you already have. You should only keep what you love, what fills a void or fills a place in your heart or in your life or any of the above. Um, and then the rest of it, let us help you build upon it. So. I would say those were already fairly sizable chunks and, and over the last six, eight months or so, those have absolutely skyrocketed to be our, our number one and number two service. Very cool. Um, what are some ideas that you had about the business that completely changed once you got it in the hand of customers? Interestingly, the wardrobe consultation, what we were just talking about, I thought because Handled was an unknown entity in the market, I thought it would take us a long time for customers to trust us, be their sounding board. I mean, we're part sounding board, part therapist, part stylist, part advocate. Um, I thought that it would take a long time to build that trust factor. And that in fact, what most customers would start off with is straight up shopping. And I will tell you that it's the complete opposite. Most customers want the intimacy of the relationship that gets built with the handler. And then they talk transactions and then they talk business. It's funny, you know, in every um, existing competitor, indirect competitor, you know, that I had looked at, um, had all talked about, you no know, customers only want transactions, customers only want transactions. And, and I think some of it is because I'm, you know, Handle takes a very different stance on the thing we sell as service. Mm -hmm. We're not selling shopping. We're not selling travel. The thing we're selling is service. And I think maybe because of that and, and the, the approach that we were taking to market, we, we were able to build some really meaningful relationships with our clients very early on in the process. And that then led into, oh, will you do my travel? Will you plan my anniversary party? Will you plan my birthday parties? Will you... Um, help create, you know, a whole new wardrobe for my husband, wife, daughter, son, you know, pick a relative kind of thing. Um, will you handle our Christmas lists? You know, um, I am, I am elf to a number of people. <laughs> 
um, for Christmas and Hanukkah. That, that makes sense. I, like uh, getting having that relationship with a client is something long term. So they invest at the beginning that kind of one on one time so that you can do everything then. Yeah, and I find you know, look, I love tech. I grew up in the tech business. I am a child of that generation, right? I love technology, but. What it has done is it depersonalized and in some cases dehumanized some of the service aspects over mm-hmm. time. I think at people's core, they want to feel appreciated. They want to feel heard. They want to feel understood. Absolutely. And they want to know that someone has their back. And that's very much at the core of, of where we are philosophically, right? So when I say the thing that handled sales is service, sir, that's what it means to me. Awesome. Um, now, what would you say is the best way to build long-lasting relationship with customers? Got to listen to what it is they're saying to you, um, and you have to honor their feedback. Again, whether you like it or you don't, whether you onboard it or you don't, I think that the thing that builds a relationship is the honesty factor, and the if you say you're going to do it, and you say it's going to be done, I don't know, Monday at six then it's not Tuesday at seven, it's Monday at six, right? If they know that they can rely on you and that you will move heaven and earth for them, that is the lasting bond. There is the saying that whenever you have a disgruntled customers, a customer, if you flip them and you, and you kind of handle them personally, they'll become your best customer. Uh, would you say you found that to be true or, or are, you know, some people are just, uh, better customers than others? I think every customer is a different customer. If a customer is quote unquote disgruntled, it is your responsibility to get to the root of why and then to show action on it. And that's hard, right? Absolutely. Because sometimes they're disgruntled about something that you have zero control over. And sometimes a service is not suitable for a particular customer for whatever reason. And I think, again, it's one of those hard decisions that entrepreneurs have to make that not all customers are meant to be customers of your service. You have to be okay with that. Look, we've had scenarios where, you know, customers walked away and I have done my level best (laughs) to bring them back into the fold. And sometimes it's worked and sometimes it's not. But um, I certainly don't think you should ever not try to figure out how to bring them back into the fold. But but stay true to what it is that, that you're actually monetizing and yeah. selling. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And what is kind of a, the most exciting thing that you've gotten to do since running Handled? I think one of the coolest things that happened is as part of launching Handled was when I was part of a feature in the Globe and Mail style section. Yeah, that was cool. That's amazing. I have to say that was one of those moments where I got a call from a hotel concierge that I've come to know quite well. I said, do you know that you're in the Globe? And I had known that I was going to be quoted, right? Yeah. But I thought quoted online. You know, I hadn't really put more thought into it than that. And I I said, yeah, you know, I was part of this article. And he said, no, no, no. I'm looking at your picture and... It's half a page in the style section in the globe. And so I screamed and uttered a few choice words. <laughs> um, and then he said to me, okay, darling, 
I'm holding a copy of the paper for you at the concierge desk. Can you come get this? Because, by the way, do you know how hard it is to find paper copies of newspapers? Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> it's bloody hard. Yeah. <laughs> so I drove over to Yorkville, pulled in, saw him, and he was very cute. He had gone to, like, the bar and had gone to, like, a couple of newsstands in the neighborhood. And there was a stack Aww. of newspapers waiting for me. Um, so that I could have them. He had told the GM of the hotel, and so when I showed up there, the GM said, you know, gave me a hug, congratulations. I have to say, that was one of those moments that was so fantastically surreal. It was amazing. Yeah. But, you know, having a customer, it's funny, I did a delivery to a customer a couple of days ago, and, and they had reached out to me very last minute, hey, can you, like, bail me out and take care of this? And... You know, that moment of, oh my God, thank you. That, I can live off of that for weeks on end. I love that. I get unbelievable levels of satisfaction out of that. And the more times I hear that, that's actually the success story for me for Handled. And do you think there's a type of personality who's um, suited for B2C or for like getting the high off of really giving someone exactly what they need? I suspect there is um, because I, I think fundamentally like when I'm looking for members of the team, I'm really trying to get to the bottom of do they buy into the premise of what service means, right? I mean, years ago, service became, hey, welcome to blah, blah, blah store. No, that's not service. That's annoying. <laughs> right? Yeah. Service is about getting it done before the person realizes that they actually need it done. And then getting it done all the way. Right? So philosophically, if you want to work with Handled, you have to buy into that premise. It's core to everything else. You know, yes, I would love to go shopping at Chanel. Believe me, I would never turn that down. But the person who's shopping at Chanel is probably not calling me for help. The person who doesn't have five straight minutes to rub together to figure out what's in their wardrobe or to figure out what's in their pantry or how am I going to get these nine million things done on my list, that's the person who's calling me. You have to buy into the notion that you are actually here to help someone else's day. You're not here to help your own day. You're here to help someone else's. What do you think is the best way to actually go out there and find that exact person? The, the person that doesn't have five minutes to rub together or more generally, the ideal customer for your service? I mean, some of it, we get a fair amount of our traction from word of mouth. We do all the traditional, you know, Google searches and, and you know, speak, I do speaking engagements and blogs and things like that. I think he got a put yourself out there. I don't think that there's one silver bullet um, because people who are busy by their nature aren't spending hours surfing. They're busy. (laughs) They are talking to their friend on their phone on their way to X, Y, Z drop off or pick up or delivery or, or, you know, uh, commitment. Okay. I have five minutes. Who's that person? Right. That's, that's how people, in that mind space are communicating with one another. So, you know, I've I've also been working on um, how to actually market and work with this um, offering for businesses to give their employees as wellness benefits. 
because this is a wellness benefit. You know, once upon a time, people had assistance and people had additional help. Well, all that's happened is, first of all, those um, levels of work in companies are considered gauche now. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when it was de rigueur, but now it's actually considered not appropriate anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. But the hours of work have gotten longer. The communication cycles have gotten shorter. Commute times are longer. We're now, my generation, the first generation that is caring for both parents and children <laughs> in the same yeah. household. And it's only projected to increase more and more and more over the next several years. And yet there's still 24 hours in a day, yeah. right? At the end of the day, there's still only 24. Oh, and my favorite statistic, which is that over half of Canadians will work more than 50 hours a week. And 60% of those people also have informal caregiver roles. Yeah. Yeah, so um, as you said it yourself, there's only 24 hours in a day. And as a founder, I'm sure you have a billion and one things to do. How do you prioritize the tasks that you have to do? And how do you say no to, ta to, people, to tasks that you know you should not be focusing on? I've gotten really good at the no. I have to say it's it's something because in my heart I actually really do want to do everything and in my heart I, I I don't like to leave any business on the table. I don't like to leave any opportunity untouched. But you know, you have to be ruthless and I literally um, will go back to I have a notebook and my notebook has my priorities <laughs> written in it and I will go back to that on a very constant basis and does it fit in? Does it, does it meet one of the criteria? And if not, then my answer is one of two things. No or yes, but talk to me in X number of days, X number of weeks, whatever. Um, I, my focus is on both getting the work done, but also propelling my business and propelling my team. So I am, also, I am very rigid about, I block time in my calendar that says I'm spending this half a day focused on this. I'm spending this half a day or a third of a day or whatever focused on this. And every day has a different plan of attack on that. And the most important thing is you have to find what triggers you and you have to find what works for you to be intellectually honest about how much time you actually do have. I am very aware about how long it takes me to do things. I have to be because my business is about how long does it take. Right. So I hold myself very much to that standard when my team and I are out doing tasks and we're shopping or we're doing whatever, we're actually using a project management app to track our time so that we know how this all strings together. And then at the end of a month, I can look at it and say, okay, good job, not a good job. How can we organize better? What do I have to do from a technology perspective? What do I have to do from a prioritization perspective? So my, you know, my operational background comes out <laughs> full force. Yeah, to optimize <laughs> with that, absolutely. Very cool. Um, yeah. So, would you you talked about your operational background? So, would you say that um, it helps uh, as a founder coming from a, a similar industry, or is it better to be to be fresh and to kind of have a fresh look at it? Um, you know. I'm not sure that my experience works for everybody. I know that for me, I needed the time, frankly, to grow up. 
I needed that corporate experience. I needed that rounding and smoothing off of some of the rough edges. Um, and, and spending time absolutely in operations and on multiple scales of different kinds of companies really helped develop me as a business person. I do think that it's important for any founder to have a respect and, and acknowledgement of there are certain business rules mm. and absolutely you need to pay homage to those rules, even as you're trying to break them to change. I used to get hired by VCs to go do operational due diligence on startups because this was the era of, you know, the tech bust had happened, a couple of different tech busts had happened. The market had turned in 2008 and people really wanted to make sure that, that where they were putting their very hard earned time and, and money to wasn't, you know, vaporware. It wasn't, it wasn't a house of cards. And so I would often get engaged as a consultant to go in and, and talk to the founders and look at the team and take a look at the systems and the processes and is it a business or is it a hustle that hasn't grown up to be a business yet? And by mm -hmm. the way, neither answer is right or wrong, but it does change the trajectory depending on whether or not you acknowledge those things. Yeah, for okay. sure. Okay, so now it's time for the rapid fire round. Okay. 21 questions. <laughs> Like Already. 50 said. Like 50 said. <laughs> um, what's the best street in general for shopping in Toronto? Uh, Queen West. Definitely. And uh, what is a clothing item you can't live without? Little black dress. And uh, who's your favorite designer? I think of all time is probably um, Karl Lagerfeld. Very nice. And how do you start your day? With a very big cup of coffee. <laughs> I was just going to ask you tea or coffee. So uh, Coffee. Coffee. Yeah. And how do you take it? Um, espresso, actually, a double espresso. Your favorite thing to do to relax? I love, love reading fashion magazines and I love trashy romance novels. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And um, how about the best place you've traveled to? Bali. Bali. Yeah. Um, if you could live anywhere other than Toronto, where would you live? I'd probably move back to London. Um, and where is your favorite place that you have lived? I would say it's a toss-up between Boston and London. Very cool. And um, are you an Android or an iPhone user? iPhone. And your favorite app? I love the parking app. What is the parking app? The, the Green Pea parking app? Ooh. It's amazing. It, it tells you it's everything. It's like life-changing. You don't have to fiddle with coins at those stupid stations oh. on the screen anymore. Okay. You know, when you do as many deliveries as I do. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And it reminds you if you're running out of time. Oh. And can you pay like right from the phone without yes. going? Oh, that's cool. And it okay. auto charges your credit card. I love that stupid app. We need to use that. <laughs> it is, it's like a game changer. Yeah. We're always circling for like free parking. So we're like, we're not change. <laughs> what year is the, it? I'm telling you the Green P app. Green P app. And um, what is the last TV show you binged? I binged Scandal. And the last movie you watched? Um, Beautiful Boy. And the last book you read? Well, I'm not saying that. Maybe. <laughs> might be a trashy book. Yeah, I'm not. That title can't be said. And um, what is the number one skill you have that you rely on the most? 
I am really good at just moving forward, at just getting stuff done bit by bit. And what's one skill that is always worth outsourcing? I am, I'm also not a brand marketer, right? I, I am in awe of people who can do that. I worship the person who did the branding for Handled because what they were able to like take out of my head and put it into graphic form, I think that is a, that is a talent above all else. Oh yeah. That is something, as you might have told from the website with my logo, <laughs> I cannot do. <laughs> um, and um, the coolest person you've ever met? Richard Branson. Oh, oh my God. That is, that's, jealous. That's, awesome. <laughs> that's amazing. What was he like? Exactly as you would imagine. Huh. So he's awesome. Exactly <laughs> as you, exactly as completely cheeky and, and enigmatic and kind kind that's nice. you know that's good to hear um a mensch just a kind person um but definitely cheeky i mean like the the eye glistening thing yeah you never you always think that maybe it's like a photoshop trick no it's real that's him <laughs> how did how did you get to meet him i worked for virgin for a period of time oh my god that's amazing um, and it was it was awesome yeah, yeah. i've heard <laughs> amazing things about working at that company um, you know, it's, it, it really taught me a lot about customers. It taught me a lot about myself. Um, and it was fun and it was irreverent and they had such a strong social responsibility stance that just resonated with me. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And I think we know the answer, but do you have any pets? I do not. Would you have a pet? They probably would not have. <laughs> <laughs> and then for the final question, what was your very first job? <laughs> so <laughs> my very first job, my brother and I, I have an older brother and I was six and a half and he was eight and a half, soon nine. And you know, when you go to a dry cleaner, the wire hangers have like that cardboard thing on them. Yeah. Our job was to put the cardboard <laughs> things on. And every Saturday, <laughs> I think we made like a couple of bucks a box. And we had this whole assembly <laughs> thing happening <laughs> in our basement. And um, that was our... That was my first job. That is amazing. <laughs> that is awesome. So, I have a lot of respect for like dry cleaner hangers. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know what it takes. To I, to be honest, I did think those hangers just like came yeah. around. Yeah, like, here. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you so, so much again for having us in your home, letting oh, us take God. over and stick these boom arms everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, take most of your tables apart. Yeah. <laughs> disaster we've caused it was so much fun uh, interviewing you so thank you so so much thank you we wanted to thank you so much for coming in we had such a great time interviewing you for floater founder and thank you so much to our listeners we are so excited to share more founder stories with you until, until next time, time.